Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. It's good to be here. Thank you for being with us this morning. If you're new, um, a special welcome to you. Uh, if you're looking for a new church home or um, just here for a one-off Sunday, we just consider it a huge privilege. And my name's Benaya. I'm the senior pastor with my wife, Charlie, over here. And um, today is a good day. Today is a day where I had seven key families text me and tell me they're away today. So it's a bit more, a bit of a weird... I do appreciate that, by the way. Like, if you're going to be away, that way I'm not wondering if you're okay or not. But a lot of people are away today. Uh, but there's people here still, which is good. Thought it might have just been me and Charlie and Joe Waters for a birthday. I don't know. No. Last Sunday was a good Sunday, wasn't it? We had 15 people baptised, um, all different ages. We had our miracle celebration offering that last Sunday. Um, and I just want to say a huge thank you to our church family. Um, thank you for partnering with us with that. Thank you for your generosity. I'm always blown away by uh, people's faith journeys when it comes to giving. And I just, as a senior pastor, I want to say thank you so much for believing in faith that we can impact people outside our four walls and build for the future generations. Um, and if you're away, just to, um, I'm going to put it up on the screen. Um, the things that we're giving towards, in case um, you're new here, um, we're giving towards Celebration Care, um, we're giving, uh, giving towards um, a church plant in Cambodia, uh, children's education and feeding in Kenya, uh, we want to renovate our bathrooms here at home, our Compassion Kids continuing sponsorships, um, launching Celebration um, healthy Homes, which is our Enrich course, Prepare course and Alpha course and also blessing our South Coast pastors and families in the ACC. Um, and I just encourage you to make sure um, that you don't miss the moment to be a part of this. Because if you look at the life of Jesus, there were moments there were some things that were things that were all the time who were declared. There were some things that were seasonal things. But there were also moments in Jesus' life. There was a moment where he walked past and someone called out and asked for healing. There was a moment when uh, Zacchaeus sorry, was up the tree and Jesus walked by. And there these moments of miracles that happen. And I believe that our celebration offering is actually a moment for our church. Why don't you say moments? Can I just get the ways to give up? Thanks, Dave. So I don't want our church family, and if you're new here, don't feel pressure to give. And if you're a part of our family, don't feel pressure either, but understand that we're in a moment. Don't miss it. Don't be a spectator. Remember, there was those who built the wall with Nehemiah and those who just watched. Don't be the watcher, be the builder. And so intentionally, we're leaving giving open till the end of September. And the way we approach giving as a church family is sit with the Holy Spirit and ask Him how you can partner. We don't give out of compulsion. We give according to the Holy Spirit's promptings. And so Pastor Charlie and myself, every year we try and outgive the year before. And this year we did that and we just wanted to make sure we had a heart of obedience and faith because we believe in the future. On the way in this morning, my son, who's a little three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old now, um, he said, Daddy, he said, can we play music that loves Jesus in the car? Can we play, can we play music that loves Jesus? And I said, yes, we can. Um, 
it is a big change, good change from the Paw Patrol soundtrack, which is continually playing every, every time in our car. So we chucked on, um, chucked on the worship on the way in, and he's so cute, he sits there trying to sing along, doesn't know the words, trying to sing along. And then we got to the car park, and he said, we can't go into church until the song finishes. So, and I looked at the song and it just started. It was like a five minute song and I just, and he came and sat, got, sat in the front seat with me and we held hands um, and we just sat there just enjoying God's presence, just enjoying just worship together. And then as soon as it's finished, he went, okay, all done, let's go. And, we, and I thought, that's what things like celebration offerings are about. Just this morning, I was over with, um, with Wado over and, and Andrew and Wado oversee our kids' um, team and, and ministry. And we were just looking at the shade. We need shade over there for our kids, especially a day like today. It's hotter. And we're looking at behind our buildings and looking at the grass areas and trying to figure out how we can make that great for our children's ministry. But all that stuff takes money and it takes uh, resource. And so just to, again, say... If you feel stirred in your heart, be a part of what God's doing. Um, and don't make sure you give. Make sure you don't miss the opportunity. Um, and one more testimony. Well, I've had four people this week uh, contact me and tell me about miraculous financial breakthrough um, since or giving it leading up to the miracle offering. And I had somebody text me yesterday and they said they've been saving for months for a trip they're going on. And it's like a, a lifelong dream type trip. And in the past three days, they were supernaturally blessed with double the amount they had spent months saving for had come in like that so they could go away with their family on a holiday. And it was double what, what they, just miraculously. And so don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. What we sow, we reap. And we give, we know that there is an element of press down, shaking together, running over. Uh, that's the favour of God. So I'm sure if we, um, you know, open, the, open up this morning, there'll be many testimonies. And feel free to let us know about your testimonies at the office. We love to hear about what God's doing in Jesus' name. Does that sound good? All right, we have a gift for you all. It's too hot, so we're going to give out some ice blocks. Yes, so if you would like an ice block... Our awesome host team are going to give you a zooper duper for those who are online or podcasts and are overseas. It is a it is a type of ice block in Australia. Charlie, can you want my my water? Fantastic, thanks. If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 11, Matthew 11, verse 28. And this isn't on the notes, Dave, but it's just a, a bonus scripture we're going to start with this morning. This morning is going to be, already is a great morning, but the Holy Spirit, I believe, is going to be speaking to your heart today. And we're actually going to make room for that at the end of today's service, to hear his voice afresh for you and your family in Jesus' name. 
Matthew 11, verse 28. How are your icebox? Yeah, you all seem a bit happier now. I guess that's what sugar does to you. I've got to try and preach before the crash at the end of the sugar high. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus speaking. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. For you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let me read it again. This is so good. Jesus speaking. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will. Why don't you say will? He will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love this promise that we have from our incredible Saviour, Jesus, that he says to us and he encourages us and he even commands us to come to him with our burdens. Aren't you enjoying hearing the sucking and the biting and the... (laughs) Podcast people are going, what is that noise in church? He knows that worry is a terrible thing. Yeah. You know that you're not, you're not ever, you were never created to worry. Yeah. You were never ever created. The Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were created, there was no worry. In Australia, we have that saying, no worries. <laughs> no worries, mate. I think it's a saying that we should remember for our lives. No worries. Don't worry, be happy, as the song says. It's actually God's intention for us is to understand that we were never built to carry worry. Your wonderful husband is over here. (laughs) Sorry, I just embarrassed somebody at the back. It was Angela Watson. Trying to look for her husband. Would you like an ice block, Ange? Oh, she wants one. Can we get her an ice block? Is that okay? Thanks, Joe. Don't you love it when you're served? the service is small enough that you can just call out things in the room? <laughs> Last week, we're putting extra seats out. This week, we're calling out people who want ice blocks. That's great. You and I were never called to carry worry or stress. There's a reason why stress does damage to your body and my body. If we carry too much stress, it actually affects our bodies in a negative way. Same with worry. If you are someone who worries, and I think we all have worries from time to time, we have to remember it's actually an unnatural thing. And that's why Jesus says here, he says, if you have a burden... Come to me and I am kind, I am gentle, I am humble. I will take your yoke, I will take your burden, give it to me. And then he says, I'll replace it with rest. Do you know there's no anxiousness? There's no, no, no capacity in your natural state to carry anxiousness. It's an unnatural thing to carry. 
So worry, stress, anxieties, things that cause us to be heavy and carrying weights and burdens. That's why Jesus says to us, hey, listen, no worries, mate. And if you're writing a sermon, if you're writing notes today, which I think we all should do because it helps us remember, you just write, write down, no worries, mate, because that's what today's message is going to be called. And for our podcast uploaders, let's call it that today. No worries. Why? Because I don't carry my burdens. I don't carry my stresses. But let's be really honest. It's a scripture that's easy for us to amen, but it's hard for us to live. (laughs) All it takes is something to happen out of your hands and out of your control, and we are tested straight away with, no worries, mate, or I'm starting to stress. As a pastor, I know what it's like to stress sometimes. I know what it's like to carry people's lives and heart and think about how their well-being is and wonder if they're away for a Sunday, are they okay, are they, everything good? And it's because I care and I want to make sure people are looked after. But I have to make sure that ultimately I can ask questions in my heart, but then I give it to him. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. The reality is this, is that when we learn the art of surrender, the art of giving control over to him, we cause ourselves to enter into a place of freedom and rest. Who wants to be rested in God? The way we're rested in God is through a word, and that word is surrender. It's something that the Lord has enabled us to do in Christ Jesus, that the moment we start to stress and worry, the moment something is out of our hands and control, our natural man says, I want to have control. I want to try and fix it. I want to try and, this is something I've got to try and look after. And the Lord says, I will fight your battles for you. (laughs) You know, Maybe you're this person, but I know people like this, and you probably know somebody like this, and whenever you speak to them, nothing seems to phase them. Anyone know someone like that? Anyone feel like that's you? Because I'll come and chat to you whenever I'm feeling a bit stressed. It's just like, it's all good. Why is it all good? Because do you know how big my God is? Do you know that I am in the palm of his hand. Do you know that the Bible, Jesus told me that when I feel a burden and when I feel heavy and I feel the yoke, what's a yoke? It's not the yoke of an egg, just so you know. It's the yoke that they used to put over cattle that would go over their shoulders and that it would be a weight that then the cattle would move forward, dragging the plough through the field. That's why the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers because you're going in different directions. And so it says, give your yoke to Jesus. (laughs) For any business owners in the room, you understand the pressure sometimes of having to pay for your employees. There is a responsibility, but it's a responsibility that you need to give to God. For any dads in the room who feel the weight of providing for your family, yes, we will do our best, but ultimately we have to surrender it to the Lord. 
for any single mums here, you feel the same pressure. Whatever different thing it is you carry, let's just make sure that we come back to the reality of this. We are called to be really great at rest. Fruitfulness, yet restful. <laughs> Has anyone got some rubbish now they want to give to the bin? No? Cool. Can we get a host just to go around with just a bin for these ice blocks, if that's okay? Thanks, Emma. That'd be great. I'm just noticing people walking out the back to the bin. So we'll just get those bins to our people. That'd be great. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Proverbs 3, verse 5. This is a scripture that I'll be teaching my son when he's old enough to learn it. But it says this. And Dave, I'm just going to just jump around a bit. It says this in the Amplified, it says, Trust and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. What a powerful start to a verse. Don't rely on your insight or understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge, uh, in all your ways and acknowledge and recognise him and he will make your path straight and smooth removing obstacles that block your way. What an amazing verse. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, with everything you are, give Him full control and allow Him to remove the obstacles that may stand in your way. This is God's heart for us as people. And this morning, the overall theme is this. We must understand that there is beauty in surrender. There is so much that God has for us as his people when we live lives of surrender, understanding, though, that surrender is actually more of a discipline than anything else. (laughs) You know that the word disciple and discipline come from the same. It's the same type of thing where we have to learn disciplines in our life in order to walk in the freedom God has for us. How great are we this morning at being people who live in a place of surrender? The moment we give our hearts to Christ, we enter into a place of surrender. We surrender our sin, our will, our hearts and give God full control. This is a place of freedom and delight because we find our all in Him. The power of giving our lives to Christ and the joy of that is to surrender everything to Him, our good, our bad and our ugly, and say, take it all, Lord, it's yours. And He is big enough to say, I take it all, the good and the bad, I purify you by my blood and I set you upon the rock. But remember that you need to come to me and surrender at all times. Why is it that we take back control so so readily? Now, the moment you get stressed, the moment we worry, we know we're taking back control. So the litmus test of surrender is this. If you worry or you stress, you have lost surrender. Oh, that's good. Can my wonderful wife remind me of this at different times? Benaiah, surrender. 
because He is faithful to carry our every burden. He is faithful to remove the obstacles that try and block our way if we trust in Him with all of our hearts. To spiritually surrender means to let go of control and to trust God completely, a place we must fight to live from. Complete control is yours. I give it all to you because I know you are faithful, Heavenly Father. We have to remember that there are different areas that we surrender. The first area is our heart, our soul, our mind and our strength. What does the scripture tell us? It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Why don't you say heart, soul, mind and strength? Yeah. So that's the starting point. Heart being, being your affection, soul being your emotion, mind being your intellect, strength being just everything you've got, giving it over continually saying, I will surrender all this to you. And in doing so, I love you, Lord. We have to also understand that surrender has to do with our past. So often we come to God and we surrender things like that and we give Him our worry or our cares. And He says, and then we go, yeah, but, but my past is too heavy for you, Lord. My mistakes are too heavy for you, God. The things that have gone on in my life, all my past hurts, my past traumas, I need to hold on to them because there's a a false sense of safety in that. And the Lord says, no, no, surrender it all. I want everything. I want everything from your past, the good and the bad. Give it all over to me. Now, the key to surrendering your past is a word called forgiveness. Forgiveness for self and forgiveness for others. The moment you enter in, and this is, a, this is great preaching, and I encourage you to write this down because the script, listen, God, I don't, it's not for my ego you write things down. It's for your betterment. Because most of us struggle with surrender. And most, a lot of us in the room and those listening and people you know struggle with their past. And we have to understand that the Lord gives us tools to be free. And the tool of letting go of your past is forgiveness. When we start to forgive those who have wronged us and who have hurt us, who don't deserve forgiveness. Remember, forgiveness is not conditional on if someone deserves it or even if they ask for it. It's not determined on that. It's determined upon Jesus Christ's command or command of the Scripture, which is to forgive just as the Father forgives us, we then therefore forgive others. And to, for the, to the point of the, the, the level you forgive is the level He forgives us. Oh, it's heavy. Yeah, but that person hurt me. That person wronged me. That person did this to me. That person did that to me. And it's tragic. And sometimes it's, 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 it's from the depths of hell what goes on in people's lives. But understand that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be set free through the supernatural um, empowerment of forgiveness. Can I hear an amen? amen? And anybody who's been around for long enough understands that in life, some people are going to hurt you badly. Don't let that hurt, don't let that that affliction remain in you. Don't let that knife remain in you. Get rid of it through forgiveness and let the Holy Spirit bring healing that you might be free. And you know you're free. This is a really good, good key for us. 
then you know you're free from, um, from hurt when someone's hurt you, when you think of them and you can bless them. And that's such a huge statement because some people have abused other people. Some people have done things so atrociously on the earth. How do you get to a place where the Bible says to bless your enemies? Well, there's this supernatural thing called forgiveness. And that's what we have to fight for. And surrender of past is found through the doorway of forgiveness. Surrender of our past comes through the doorway of forgiveness. Therefore, if we are bad at forgiveness, then we actually close the door to surrender. And when you close the doors to surrender, you then carry the burdens and the yokes you were never meant to carry. <laughs> so this is why there's something in my life I'm continually fighting to forgive, both from my childhood, both from my past, and for my present and for my future. My wife will tell you that I go on walks to forgive. There are some things it takes me a minute to forgive, some things it takes me a day, there are some things it's taking me years to forgive and some things months. And I'll go for walks, literally, and I'll say, Charlotte, I need to go for a walk and I'll forgive and bless the person or situation that has hurt me until I feel a change in my spirit. Because sometimes your mind doesn't catch up to your spirit. But the moment that that freedom comes, wow, what a joyful place to be. Yeah, but they didn't deserve it. I know. That's the scandalous thing of forgiveness. You also have to surrender our future. Our dreams, our desires, our hopes, our wants. To give it over to him and say, Lord, we surrender this to you. And different people in the room have different things going on, different dreams, different hopes, whether it's you know, wanting a spouse, whether it's wanting a child, whether it's wanting a house, whether it's wanting to be healthy, whether it's seeing a loved one come to Christ, whatever it might be, the Lord says, I've got it. But the key for me to move is found in Proverbs 3.5, trust in me, give me full control, don't rely on your insight. And I will remove the obstacles. <laughs> Is this okay? Yeah, I think it's good. I think more people need to hear it. That's why I think we need thousands of people in the church to hear the truth. Because there's so many people who are missing out on the joy of surrender. No worries, mate. No worries. I'm going to give you some quick things around surrender. And then we're going to take a moment to surrender at the end of the service. I'm actually going to give you really quickly. I've got a few here. I'm just asking the Holy Spirit. I've got 10. I'm not going to spend heaps of time on each. But I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts on the things that we need to hear when it comes to these 10 different thoughts on surrender. The first one is this. Surrendering to God doesn't mean defeat. It actually means victory. Now you think about the connotations of surrender. The white flag on a stick. In battle, that's normally seen as a negative. You're giving up, you're surrendering, you lose, you loser. <laughs> when, you know, you think about, like right now the footy finals are on. You think about it, if a team came in and brought out some white hankies and said, we surrender. Like, come on, that's going to be a pretty bad day for those fans. And for those players. <laughs> and for us watching it. 
But the thing is about the kingdom is that he flips things. It's flipped. And so surrender is actually the victory and where we actually need to be living from. Surrender in the kingdom is not defeat. Surrender is actually victory. Are you hearing it? But what about battling things in the spirit? We battle from a place of surrender. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We allow the Lord to work through us in obedience and then things start to be one for the kingdom. Think about this. Let's go. Best example. Jesus did not fight on the cross. And who knows that it was the greatest victory in history was the cross. And it was a place of complete surrender. Oh, woo. Woo. That's world class. Because it's kingdom. And he says, he says I, will, I will be here on the cross completely exposed and covered in shame, in pain and abandoned, and he surrenders. What does he do, church? He surrenders himself. He, he, he surrenders his spirit. And in the midst of apparent defeat came the greatest victory. And in your greatest surrender will come your greatest victories. When you simply say, Lord, we give it to you. Lord, we surrender it to you. Lord, this situation looks like it's coming against us. Lord, we're not going to run. We're not going to run towards it now. We're going to actually surrender it and say, you will, you, will get a, you will deal with my obstacles. You will fight for me. You are faithful. You are my God and you are for me and not against me. And if God is for us, then who can be against me? Therefore, I come back to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. A place of surrender. Our victory is found in surrender. In Jesus' name. Surrender number two is letting go of everything and grabbing a hold of God. <laughs> Bit of a paradox. You let go of everything, but then you hold on to something, and that is Jesus. There's a good lyrics for our songwriters, by the way. Feel free to steal any of them. Surrendering is letting go and holding on. What a weird thing. Letting go of everything, heart, soul, mind and strength, but we must hold on to what matters, which is Jesus Christ. Our security, number three, is found in surrender. Our security is found in surrender. And insecurity is just wrong security exposed. Listen, everyone in this room and everyone you know trusts in something. What does the scripture say? It says, some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. The bad thing is, is that most times people trust in themselves. They trust in their own ability, they trust in their own insight, they trust in their own strength, but they know ultimately, or they learn through life, that that will often fall short of the greatness that God has for them. And that is where stress and worry and insecurity arise. When we trust in ourselves instead of trusting in God. Surrender 
causes us to be secure and security is found in surrender. Think about surrender being another door. Who here wants to have a secure heart? Insecurity is the worst. I've had years and times and moments of insecurity and even in my introverted side, I still have it. It is the worst. And often I have to say, Lord, I feel uncomfortable, but I open the door of security through surrender. So if you're in this place and you struggle with insecurity, it isn't found in you reading a self-help book. It's actually found, let me save you a bunch of time, it's called surrender. Lord, I trust you, I give you everything, help me. Hear me crunching. Bit of ice. Insecurity is just wrong security exposed. I'm just going to change the wording. Fear is wrong security exposed. Stress is wrong security exposed. Fear, insecurity and stress are really actually huge uh, blessings in the sense that they just expose where you're at. (laughs) Offences in our heart, often we think it's about the other person, but it's actually about what's in us. Offence is a great tool that God gives us to go, where are you at in your trust? Good preaching, hey? This is really good. A heart surrendered, number four, is a happy heart. Who here wants a happy heart? Happy, happy, joy, joy. I don't know what that's that's from, but anyway. I I love being a a dad. I've I've learned a lot about fatherhood, and it's great because when I preach now, I, I just think like this. What will I teach my son? Even now, as a little three and a half year old, what will I teach him? And my future children, what will I teach them? I'm going to teach them that a surrendered heart is a happy heart. If it can be someone who learns to give control over to Jesus in his heart, mind, soul and strength, it will cause his heart not to be heavy, not to be heavy laden, but to be light and to be trusting. And that sometimes people will let you down, but your heavenly father is someone who is worthy of our trust. So a surrendered heart is a happy heart. And who knows that we should all have happy hearts. The test of this is really when life hits you. When the doctor says something that's out of your control. When the the boss makes a change and it affects your income. When the mortgage is due and you've had a, you know, your car's blown up that week and you don't have the money. When your child starts to show signs that they're walking away from the Lord and you don't know what to do. These are things that are very heavy things. And I love this promise that the heaviest things he will take for us. (laughs) You're not called to carry the heavy things. Number five, great faith comes from great surrender. Great faith comes from great surrender. Something that we should all be having in our life is an element of faith when it comes to believing God for the impossible. That's why that, one of the great things about our celebration offering is that there should be an element of faith in that. 
We never want to be a church that gives God our loose change or our leftovers. <laughs> you give your dogs leftovers. You don't give God your leftovers. And that includes our heart. It includes how we serve. It includes how we give financially. All these things are so precious because they show where our hearts are at. But we have to make sure that he is number one in all those things. That we put him first, not leftovers. And so for Charlie and myself, we've had definitely, we've been married for nearly how many years? Eight, nine Nine in January, okay, nine years in January. <clears throat> As she told me the other day, I've hitched my wagon to yours. And I thought, is that romantic? You've hitched my wa- your wagon to mine. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you, some of you have heard this story, but some haven't. We rented when we first got married, and this is going to help those in the room who are looking for housing, for a house. We rented, and it was fine. Our landlord was the worst. Our landlord, who I never met, but we had a broken um, bathroom and he didn't fix it for six months. And so we would have people come over to our house and they couldn't use the, the, the sink, it was a sink in the bathroom for six months because he was a self-handyman and wanted to come and do it himself. And I didn't know how to be a good tenant back then in terms of saying we need this done now. I was very laid back. And we went through the trials and tribulations of being a renter. So if you're a renter here, I empathise with you. It can be a little bit painful. We got, Charlotte and I got married and we, we rented for a few years and then we just felt in our hearts, both at the same time, a sense that we needed to start to believe God for our own home. Charlie was at university. She was training to be a, a high school teacher. I was an exec pastor at the time, uh, which is fine, but pastors don't get paid a huge amount of money. And we just had this dream and this sense that it's time for us to get into our own, our, our, our own home. We started going to open houses because faith without works is dead. So I give you these stories because you can get an insight into the simplicity of how we work in the kingdom and God doing things. We would go to open houses and we would dream. We would walk through and talk to agents as though we had the cash in the bank. We look like idiots in the natural. We even made offers on houses in faith. By the grace of God, they didn't say yes, but we made offers in faith, believing that God would do a miracle and provide us because we had a sense that our God would make a way when there was no way. After open houses, when everyone left, we would sneak back and lay our hands on houses and say, Lord, is this the house for us? (laughs) We probably looked a bit loco, to be honest. This, this couple, often with our dogs, sneaking over and, God, we just pray, is this how you can make a way if this is for us? We thought it took six months later and nothing had happened. Still renting. We thought, what else can we do? Let's pack up our house in faith. So we packed up our whole house into boxes. And we had little post-it notes everywhere. And the post-it notes were different colours. One said, keep it, sell it, or give it away. We went through the whole house and we'd done that on all of our different things in our house. And for another period of months, we just believed God that he was going to make a way. We had a sense in our spirit that within a year we'd have our own home. The time was ticking by this stage. It got to such a place, such a, a time 
that the post-it notes started falling off things. And in our, our house, we had a couch, we had a little coffee table and some plates in the TV. The rest was packed away. We had no visitors over. I was too embarrassed. We had nowhere for them to sit anyway, really. I, I would know a cutlery for them, whatever. And, and I, I started feeling very embarrassed by the whole situation. But I still had a sense that God would make a way. When the post-it notes started falling, I started to go, God, where are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to feel a bit silly. Long story short, it came to a month before the year was out. And by the grace of God, some things supernaturally happened in our life. And we were able to make an offer on the house. And it was a house that was next door to our rental. There's lots more to this story, but to make it short, we had to continue to surrender. We even got to the point where we had the funds miraculously. We had the moment. We had, well, we, we had the way come. And then we had the offer accepted. And the agent shook our hand and then went away and used our offer to get a better offer and came back and said, someone's given you a better offer. See you later. And we went from, we're going to see the promise to now surrender again. We literally sat on the back of our rental on the back deck and we said, Lord, we just we could get angry. The, the agent wasn't honest. He wasn't integrous. He used our word and played it for bigger, bigger things for him, but bad for us. And we said, Lord, we surrender this to you. Yeah. We actually even had a figure in our mind and it was the max. And the agent, and we gave that, that was our, our, our max. And the agent went away, took that, came back and said, this other couple has put an extra 20K on it. So if you be that, then guess what? You can have it. We went away and I thought, we could do it. We could sell things. We could make it. And then, no, no, we actually believe that the figure that God gave us is our max. And so we said, forget it. And he said, okay, you miss out. The, the agent came back two weeks later and said, the couple's finance fell through. Do you still want it? I said, yeah, but at the price we said... He said, yes, I know, I'm sorry. I said, good, you should be sorry. I was like, you weren't very integrous on this one. Anyway, long story short, it was the week of, within a year, that we're in the solicitor's office signing over, you know, the house. And there's a lot more miracles in that story. But I can tell you, and then to, to, to move, we were literally, I was chucking things over the fence. I'm not even joking. Forget the removal trucks. It was, hey, over the fence, over the fence. And the Lord made a way for an exec pastor and a uni student to get into their first home. But it was a continual process of surrender. And in surrender, there's great faith. Because in surrender and faith, you have to understand that only God can do what he can do. My, my, my faith doesn't come from my bravado. It comes from my surrender. So I, I speak it over every couple in this church and who's listening who are believing for their own home or singles as well, that the Lord would make a way for you supernaturally to receive in the midst of a natural housing crisis that there will be a supernatural provision but realise that it's through your surrender and, and in that believing God that he can make a way where there is no way. In Jesus' name. So great faith comes from great surrender. Does that sound good? 
number six, surrender means letting go of what we think is right and trusting God that no, who knows what is right. Surrender means letting go of what we think is right and trusting that God knows what is right. Because who knows? He knows. We think we know, but we don't know, but He knows. <laughs> Our God is the great know-it-all in the most positive sense. He knows what your future is. He knows what he has for you and your family. He knows he goes ahead of you. His favour goes ahead of you. and a surround, it's, All this stuff is to do with our yearly theme, the Father's favour. Surrender is a gateway to his favour. So let go of what you think you know and trust in a God who knows. Number seven, very simple, but surrender is a daily choice. Some days you're going to wake up and you're not going to feel like surrendering. Some days your emotions are going to be all over the place. Some days you're going to hear things and you're going to hear reports and they're going to challenge you to your core. But there is a decision that we have to make. And I encourage you, make a decision of surrender. Well, what does that look like? It's as simple as this. Lord, I surrender. <laughs> In prayer, I surrender it all to you. And if you're married with your spouse, Lord, together we surrender. If you're with your family, Lord, as a family, it affects us all, we surrender. As a single, Lord, as a single, I surrender. And we understand that the word surrender is the gateway, is the open door to supernatural blessing. But it must be a daily choice. And it is a daily choice that will be continually tested. <laughs> Especially when crisis comes. Nearly there. Number eight, the place of surrender is dependence on God. The place of surrender is dependence on God. A dependence is surrender made manifest. It is what true humility looks like. And surrender and humility go hand in hand and cannot be separate. It's hard, it's hard to have a prideful heart that is surrendered. Yeah. I dare say it's impossible. Because surrender is the ultimate humility. Remember, white flag in the air? It's saying, I can't do this on my own. I surrender it all to you, Lord. And in that comes this sweet aroma called humility. Something that we as believers, if you're a believer here, we must be good at humility. We must be good at having humble hearts. We must be good at having hearts that are contrite, hearts that are open, hearts that are teachable. Don't think that just because you've been a Christian for X number of years that you know everything. You don't. The more that I know the Lord, the more I walk with Him, the more I understand I don't know. And that's actually the trait of someone who walks with God. The closer I get to Him, the more I realise how big He is, how much I need Him, how much I don't have the answers. I have some answers according to the scriptures, but ultimately, Lord, you are so much bigger. And so we become people of this divine humility, knowing that our dependence on God is based in our surrender. Now, Peter walked on water, and when he did so, it was the ultimate act of surrender. But when he started taking his eyes off Jesus and onto other things, his trust went from what? Jesus to the storm from Jesus to his own ability, 
that's when it started sinking. Now, I know this stuff's simple, but it's actually really profound and we can all get a deeper revelation of it. When it comes to our dependence on God, understand that, think about your life right now. This is a good exercise. Think about what part of your life today is 100% dependent on God doing a miracle. And if he doesn't, you're going to sink. Now, for some people in the room, that will be forced upon you with things like health, health scares, or circumstance, or things like that. And that's okay, and fall on surrender. But don't wait for the crisis to be surrendered. Be someone who goes forward into the promised land through faith, knowing that when we surrender to the giant being God, that the giants in front of us are small. Therefore, we don't wait for the crisis. Most Christians wait for the crisis before they surrender. (laughs) Instead, wait for the Word of God. Wait for the rhema. Wait for the knowing. Wait for the the promise. Wait for that sense of, oh, we're going to have our own house. But there's no way we can do it. It makes no sense. People telling us we're dumb. No, we're going to surrender to God because we depend on Him. Don't just be someone who goes from crisis to crisis and that becomes your testimony. Be somebody who is full of faith for what is yet to come. That's really good preaching. There's the connect leaders. Do you have faith for your connect group? Do you have faith for what God's going to do in your connect? Do you have faith to raise up new connects through your connect and to raise up leaders who are selfless, will go forward for business owners that you believe in God for greater things? This is tested in particular when I was 20 eight or what is the hell I was like 27, 28 and I was a single man and I thought the ladies in our church are great but for me it's a dry and weary land (laughs) that's how I because there's no one that was like there's no one here for me for others there's people or for me Pastor Nat gets married or my other friends get married I was a a groomsman seven different times. (laughs) And most of them made me buy seven different suits, which I only wear once. (laughs) It got to the place where I I literally was like, I retire from being a groomsman. I'm out. (laughs) It's too painful to watch someone else walk down the aisle to another man. I'm just being real. I'm being real. And when you've served the Lord your whole life and you're 28 years old, and you're thinking, man, this is tough. And plus, I was a pastor, and it's even tougher because, man, everyone's watching very closely. And it's just like, oh, this is tough. I had to have many, many long walks around Vincentia Golf Course at 11 p.m. at night often, crying out to God, saying, Lord, where's my spouse? Where is it? Or where is it? Where is she? Where is she? How old were we started dating? How old was I, sorry? When I was 29, the Lord brought, or opened my eyes to Pastor Charlie. She was already in the church, so the dry and weary land wasn't really that weary. And I went, oh, she's interesting. <laughs> How old was I when we got married? Was I 30? I got married when I, I was a 30-year-old 
man, when I got married. <laughs> oh. Hey, it might have been a bit late, but I made it. But more than that, God made it for me. He made a way. And when I, and you guys, a lot of you know Pastor Charlie, she, she, she's perfect for me. With all my ailments and issues, she really is, she's great. She helps me in every way. She is a blessing from the Lord in the right season. And again, I just speak that over our singles here, those who are waiting for a spouse. May the Lord open doors to you. May he open your eyes. May you just know that he goes ahead of you and he makes a way. If he can do it for a 29-year-old pastor, he can do it for you. But I had to be a person of surrender. And the Lord was faithful. Hey, number nine, a surrendered heart is a rested heart. And we've already talked about this. There's something about the kingdom where the more rested you are in him, the more fruitful you become. The more surrendered our hearts are. We, we feel like we have to do things. We have to really, and it's good to do things. I think everyone should serve. I think everyone should use their gifting for the cause of Christ. But there has to be a place of intention and motivation which is rested. It can't be because of our insecurity. It can't be because, has to be because we love the Lord. It has to be because it's an act of worship. Not because you're insecure or because you feel pressured. No, there's a higher level. The higher level is I serve and I do things because of who he is in me. And in that rest, we become fruitful. Lastly, surrender is an act of worship. Who here wants to be a worshipper? I want to be a worshipper. I want to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Well, do you know that the way... Oh, we've got to... Eden, you're okay. Sorry, you're good. I should have told you. We've got to, something we've got to play. When it comes to the Lord, when it comes to walking with Him, as we just finished this morning, we have to realise and remember that when we surrender, it is the ultimate act of worship. This, this week's Connect Group study is all about this, and I encourage all the Connect leaders to... It's on our website or from the office, do it to teach our church to be people who are worshippers through surrender. You think about it, there's nothing really greater than saying to the, your Heavenly Father and my Heavenly Father, Lord, I need you for everything in my life. That affection, that need, that love relationship is so beautiful. So as we surrender, we have hearts that are worshipful. And that's why when we worship the Lord, we encourage, you know, it's not a style thing to lift your hands in worship. It's actually an act of surrender. If you ever, I don't know if you watch me in worship, hopefully you don't, but if you do, I often will lift my hands. Lord, I just I open my hands to you and I surrender to you. If someone prays for me, you often see me with my hands lifted like this to receive. It's an act of humility. I receive, Lord, what you're saying and what you're speaking and what you're imparting. And we become people who are like that. Don't have your hands in your pockets. If I was going to give you a gift today, it'd be hard to receive it with your hands in your pockets. It'd be on the floor. <laughs> no, Lord, we surrender. We surrender all. We say yes. We say we, we, we give you everything. We, we give it to you. Lives of surrender are healthy, joyful, rested and fruitful. And let's be a people of divine surrender. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.